Once podcast is brought to you in part by GoToMeeting, now with HD Faces. You're listening to Once, episode 32, The Return. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the podcast about ABC's TV show Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Dan Flynn. And I'm Jenny. And we're so happy to have you with us. Check out our website over at oncepodcast.com where you can get the show notes for this episode, which will be at oncepodcast.com slash 32 with screenshots, links, and anything else that we mentioned, hopefully, will be in there. And also, you can follow us, subscribe to our show, leave ratings and reviews and iTunes, join our forums, everything, contact us all over at oncepodcast.com. Just check it out all over there. Hopefully you visit that website every day. Make it your homepage. Love it. Care for it. Check it daily like a pet. (laughs) (laughs) Take it outside. (laughs) This has been an awesome episode of Once Upon a Time, The Return. We have some great people to thank for helping sponsor this episode of Once Podcast. King Arthur, Sandra, Amanda Robar, which I did find out, I'm pronouncing that correctly. Oh, good. And Renee Schumich have (laughs) donated to this show and sponsored this episode. And thank you so much for your sponsorship of this episode of Once Upon a Time podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, you can go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. And our bandwidth for this month is sponsored by christianmeetsworld.com. It's a weekly podcast dedicated to interfacing Christianity with the world. Hosted by Jason Rennie, it explores discussions about politics, worldview, philosophy, and more, all compared to a biblical worldview. Get the podcast for free over at christianmeetsworld.com and join the conversation and be challenged in your thinking. Check it out at christianmeetsworld.com. And one more sponsor is GoToMeeting, which now has high-definition faces. It works on almost everything. You can even join a meeting from your iPad and use the iPad's little camera on there. So check out GoToMeeting, and I highly recommend it because it's super easy to use. You can start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. Our listeners can try it free for 30 days. Don't wait for this special offer. You must visit GoToMeeting.com, click on the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. That's GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and please make sure that you use the promo code PODCAST. Thank you so much, GoToMeeting, for your support. Now let's talk about this episode of Once Upon a Time, starting, as we traditionally do, with Fairytale Land. Back up. Yes. What? The title screen. Yeah. Oh, yes. Go ahead. It had whatever we want to call him today on the motorcycle. (laughs) Is that the... (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Is that the first time we've seen a Storybrooke-only figure on that title screen? Why, yes, it is. Yes. Because yeah. that is the enchanted forest. It's supposed to have, unless he has a motorcycle in fairy tale land as well. When we learn who he really is, <laughs> hmm. but I doubt it. I don't think I know any like fairy tale creatures that have no motorcycles, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe some kind of mechanical contraption. <laughs> He's Hagrid from Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that because maybe some of our other listeners have been thinking this, like me too. Is I've been racking my brain trying to remember. Where have I seen some kind of magical character riding a motorcycle? Okay, yep. I was trying to think of what fairy tale it was. 
Now you clarified it for it. <laughs> it's Harry Potter, not a fairy tale. Yep. Nothing at all related to Once Upon a Time. That's what my brain was thinking of. <laughs> um, someone I was talking to that watches it and talks about it with his daughters, and he he and I work together, and we talk about it a lot, uh, mentioned that Rumpelstiltskin in Storybrooke was holding this ball. Um, and it was pretty neat because his son in Fairytale Land, when they pan over to that, is actually playing with the same ball that he was holding um, when he was talking to Regina. Yes. So, and I have some more to say about his pawn shop a little bit later too, but I thought it was quite neat that they're tying in elements again and you got to see that. Well, there were two crossover items from that scene because the Storybrooke scene is that uh, we don't get to see Fairytale Land until the scene in Storybrooke when Regina comes to talk to Mr. Gold in his pawn shop. Mm-hmm. They start talking. Then after that scene, that's the first time it goes to Fairytale Land in this episode. But two things carry over from that scene, the ball, like you mentioned, and also the scene of, or the the phrase that Rumpelstiltskin said something about, uh, you can't turn him into a snail yeah. and squash him. Exactly, was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you see him do that in the next scene that happens in Fairytale Land. And actually, I guess I will talk about this here. It does go back to Mr. Gold's pawn shop, but I'm really thinking now that we've seen this episode... Uh, and you understand the whole purpose of Mr. Gold pursuing the curse, is that this pawn shop is his way of collecting all the memories of his son. It's not just Hmm. preserving Storybrooke, but it's a way for him to remember his life so he won't forget who he was originally when he had his son, because we know that his son was holding him together. Um, And you definitely saw this different personality when he gets introduced to Fairytale Land, but... um, and he was a lot different, too. He sort of had a mixture of human, like, fatherhood and Rumpelstiltskin mm-hmm. in him. Very neat, um, yeah. the way he did that. And uh, I definitely think the pawn shop is his way of carrying those memories over so he wouldn't forget. Did anybody notice his voice was different? Yeah. Yeah. His voice was not like like that. Like, like the little, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Later on, when he talked about the maid, he started to show signs of beginning that behavior making jokes about yeah evil things basically taking well, not taking draw a picture uh, yeah, <laughs> or yeah. something like that exactly he started using that tone started using the humor Which i thought that little line was absolutely hilarious i'll just throw that out there <laughs> well, and the reason for that like we've we noticed this and probably many other listeners too noticed that at the beginning he's rumpelstiltskin he looks like rumpelstiltskin except for the fancy outfit but he doesn't sound like it right and there is an answer to that later in the episode, because mm-hmm. I think we wondered that even when we saw Desperate Souls is, why didn't he just completely change mm-hmm. then? Why was he still like this? I think, Jeremy, you'd referred to this, him as a, a third personality right. of this, or fourth personality of he's <laughs> father Rumpelstiltskin, not like Catholic priest, <laughs> but, um, wow. but yet, so he's human and still Rumpelstiltskin. And the fairy later had said the reason, given an answer to that, is that she said that he's still human because of Balefire. Mm-hmm. That Balefire, uh, Rumpelstiltskin's love for Balefire is what keeps Rumpelstiltskin human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe later it turned more into an obsession to find him rather than he didn't have him there to love. So he just kind yeah. of drifted off into what he became later. And even when he did have him there in the beginning, um, when this episode's first introduced, he says, I can conjure any uh, conjure anything you desire. And that's the phrase that really caught me, where 
he said it more in a different tone than he normally would before he had mm-hmm. the dark one in him or was the dark one but it was more of a concerning really i can do this for you what, what do you want son mm-hmm. and you look at how the power has controlled him or what he's done with the power like when he first got the power he said that he walked onto the battlefield ended the war and brought the children home mm-hmm. that's a good thing that he did with the magic right he used it for good initially then the magic starts controlling him and he starts becoming darker. Well, even in the beginning, he was starting to succumb to that when he walked back into town and killed the soldiers there. And Jeremy, you and I actually were discussing about the idea of him bringing the children back, wondering if that was a relation to uh, the Pied Piper. And mm. it, it, it rings of hints of that story. At least I can imagine him, but I don't know. Uh, another cool thing, too, some people are talking about it, or at least one in the in the podcast, of why uh, Mr. Gold was still living in this house and not a mansion. And if you noticed, he was spinning wool. He mm-hmm. was not spinning straw into gold. Yeah. So he hasn't done that yet. And plus, he had a maid and didn't really just clean the house himself and with magic because he wasn't fully powerful. And we find this all about a little bit later on, too, as you already mentioned, that his son's holding him together. Um, but... Yeah, he's living in that village place because he doesn't have money yet. He has power, but no no money. He probably doesn't realize he can use that power to make money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he probably doesn't realize he can spin straw into gold. And <laughs> yeah. Well, and he doesn't really just... have the ability yet. Speaking yeah. of the maid and the fact that Rumpel said that even a mute can draw a picture, the fact that August had a picture kind of makes me <laughs> think that maybe they're linked in some way. Maybe he is from fairy tale land and he was somehow linked to the maid that's yeah or that he found the maid because like he said uh that scene well we first meet the maid here in the beginning and uh she comes in and out and all of that but then it's later when rumpelstiltskin kills her that he says that even a mute can draw and that when he says that is right after the scene in storybrook when Rumpelstiltskin picks up the paper and sees the drawing of the knife. Yeah, she didn't see it very long, though. She didn't see it up close. She didn't yeah. know what it said. I know, but like she was the only other one who knew about the dagger. Maybe. Maybe. I mean... Who else would know about August it? August knows about everything somehow. And, you know, honestly, I think that he was maybe talking to Balefire when yeah. he called somebody on the phone. Mm. So he may not be him, but he knows things that really only Bay should know. So I wouldn't be surprised if they've spoken. So maybe in a fairy tale land, it seems like whoever August's fairy tale land character is probably had some connection, maybe, with Rumpelstiltskin's maid. Is that what we're thinking? That's um, what I was thinking. I think she was just an innocent that he killed as an example of his getting worse, yeah, personally. And- I can't remember which of you made the connection of Moraine from the episode Desperate yeah, Souls. I think Jeremy. Yeah. yeah. And that is absolutely true. It mm-hmm. is even the same girl, not yeah. just the same name. Same girl. I compare the screenshots. And, yeah. Uh, well, I went and looked at IMDb. So. Uh, yeah. That's the easy way to do it. It's the more adventurous <laughs> way is comparing the screenshots. Desperate Souls. Yeah. And uh, she tells Belfar about this creature in the forest rule gorm and that phrase i've researched it with some help from the community especially nat uh, helped with the spelling of it uh, by looking at the closed captions 
the spelling, by the way, is R-E-U-L-G-O-R-M. You might find it some places spelled G-H-O-R-M, but it's actually G-O-R-M. Anyway, it's <laughs> Scottish Gaelic, and the word rule is for star, and the word gorm is for blue. And this okay. is really easy to look up in a, a dictionary about this, uh, a, a Scottish Gaelic dictionary. Yeah. So literally, it says star blue or blue star, meaning blue fairy. And Rumple basically well, gave the translation. It's just we couldn't really understand the words at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, the blue fairy was the star in Pinocchio. And oh, she yeah. was the wishing star. Forgot about that. How do I know I can trust you? Because there is good magic and dark magic. And I'm on the right side. She didn't really clarify which sign was the right sign. Well, she kind of yeah. did. I thought the same thing. But then when she said, when she commented on Bay, she said that something dark mm-hmm. was in his life. I wonder so, how she sensed that. Yeah. Magic. Well, <laughs> she could tell he was touched by magic. That's what yeah. she said. Yeah. She didn't how? seem like dark magic. So I think. That she considers, you know, good to be the right side. <laughs> I think we can rest. I would assured. think so. <laughs> um, a pretty neat thing too is when that girl that uh, Bay meets in the woods. We actually hear her describe the blue fairy as the ancient beast that rules the night, the original power, bigger than anything. Right, so <laughs> big, bi- uh, bigger than Papa, or worse than Papa, <laughs> bigger than anything. So, mm. yeah, I was a little freaked out at first. And then, like, is there oh. more to the blue fairy than we really know? Probably the original power too. Is she talking about the original power from where um, the dark one came from? Like maybe she was given the good power, and he was you know, the dark if, one was given the bad power. <laughs> what if the dark one was her son? <laughs> Whatever she said, um, they lost. Some of their, yeah, their magic beans, away. they got away. And immediately I thought of Nova and how clumsy she is. <laughs> we let like, Nova maybe, have the magic beans. Maybe Nova misplaced them or something. And maybe some of those beans dropped at Jack's house. <laughs> and he no got the Well, it didn't make beanstalk. a beanstalk. It made like a bean hole. Well, <laughs> yeah. maybe. she said the bean can take you. To another world. Yeah, maybe they do different things. Maybe. And the story of Jack and the Beanstalk is he goes to another world uh-huh. because of the power of the magical beans. Now, it grows a beanstalk. In this case, uh, he Balefire is not just going to a world in his world, like just a, a different land. Uh, whereas, like, that's how it is in Jack and the Beanstalk. It's, you know, takes you into the heavens and that there's another world up there. But it's still within our same existence or same reality maybe. call it that or maybe if they ever cover that story it won't be yeah they might do that differently but i'd much rather jump down a green whirlpool than climb up a beanstalk <laughs> but maybe the reason why <laughs> this is a whirlpool is because this is transporting him to a completely different world where one without is. magic yeah mm. exactly presumably one without magic unless he ended up somewhere he didn't intend well there is a little description about the world um where rumple says where are we going boy what kind of place is uh what kind of place is there without magic? And Bay says, a better one. <laughs> Which is so. a little different than what Regina said. Mm, horrible. <laughs> well, she just thought that our world was going to be this curse, but the whole plan was for the curse to bring Rumpelstiltskin into the world of his son. In our chat room, which, by the way, we do this live every Wednesday evening at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. That's GMT minus four. In our chat room, Infinity Palm 
Oh, by the way, that's at noodle.mx slash live. Infinity Palm clarified for us something. He said, or she, I think Jane Espenson said it wasn't necessarily meant to imply Jack and the Beanstalk, but that beans are often associated with magic. Why beans? I mean, coffee beans are magical, but <laughs> why beans? Aside from that, magical fruit. <laughs> Next time I need to travel, I'm just throwing a coffee bean on the ground and see what yeah, happens. we should. Throw some coffee beans in a hat. Yes. Now, okay, you made that comparison. I'm going to go there. This, at one point, this, uh, speaking of hats is what I mean, the green tornado in the ground, whirlpool, whatever, started making this spinning sound very similar to when the hat was thrown on the oh, ground right before really? Jefferson and Regina jumped in. And then I realized both times we've got a portal to somewhere else on the ground, swirling. People jump in, they go bye-bye. <laughs> Which, well, go ahead. I'm jumping a little bit ahead. And Jeremy, you can jump into this because I think you noticed it as well. And you might want to say more about it. Um, the barrier of time and space. Yes. The idea that maybe when Bay crossed into this, even though Rumples lived thousands of years, I don't know how long he's lived. Centuries. Uh, centuries. Ten centuries is a thousand. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, basically, though, that the time and space thing where he actually could have come into this world hundreds of years after he originally left Fairytale Land. So yeah. Rumple did all this making of the curse, but he just caught up soon after mm. when Bay actually entered the world. Yeah, so basically the timing isn't necessarily one-to-one their years and our years. He, Bay could have come through at any time, potentially. By the way, um, has the Blue Fairy had a wand before? I think so. Because I think I remember her hands being quite free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure she did. I don't know. Or at least I, know. I see no reason why she couldn't. Yeah. She's entitled to a wand. I know. If any fairy is entitled to a wand, it's the blue fairy. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently those things are pretty darn uh, important it's or powerful. Just, I am failing to remember a wand. And speaking of the wand, that bl- brings up another point in this, is that the blue fairy said fairy magic doesn't mix well no, with, no, with that what was, Rumpelstiltskin has. That was Rumpel that said or, that. Yeah, he said that. That's right. Why didn't he trust did he the blue that? fairy? Is it because she has good magic and he has bad magic? Probably, or just it's different magic. And then we find out this is why he hates the fairies. But the reason I bring this up is that remember later on in the episode, the cost or the price of gold, he kills Cinderella's fairy godmother and takes her wand. Yeah. But he said fairy magic and his magic don't mix. But you know what else he called it? I think I could be getting this a bit wrong. But I believe he asked Cinderella, do you know what this is? And she she gets this look Pure that magic. really, yeah, which really irritated me considering she just witnessed a murder. <laughs> <laughs> but but then he he counters with pure evil. Oh, because yeah. they're on opposite sides. He thinks his side is good. But he seemed, he acted like because of the price of magic, he was actually saving her from paying that price to someone who wouldn't be as kind to her as he was. He made a deal with her that seems terrible. I don't know. I was when I rewatched it recently, I was a little confused as to what he might really be saying to her. And he used her wand. He did. But he made 
it's almost like he made a contract, although he didn't really make the real terms of it known. So I'm not sure that's any better than whatever the fairy was going to do. <laughs> By the way, in episode six, uh, five, I mean, the still small voice, um, she does have a wand. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I was thinking I'd seen her somewhere and I was trying to remember if that was one of the places. I don't think she had a wand in the pilot when uh, she brought in the, the tree. No need. Stump. Um, another thing to think about, um, the whole idea of magic, um, Mr. Gold, when he sees the blue fairy, I think that's where we're at in the whole fairy tale land, right? Okay. He says, uh, or she says to him, your magic is limited by your own rotten core. So I was actually thinking that, um, if he gets reunited with his son and turns good, that his magic will actually surpass all others because it's currently being limited because evil can only be so powerful. Um, that good in a way can always trump evil. Mm-hmm. So if it's limited by his own rotten core, then does that mean if he transforms that it would in a way be unlimited? Well, and we know that true love can break a curse. So that means true love is more powerful. And if Bellfire is Rumpelstiltskin's true love, not in the romantic sense, but the thing he loves most, because remember, Henry Sr. was that to Regina, the thing she loved most. So maybe when he gets Balefire back, that will be a form of true love that he needs to be even more powerful. Mm, like I would say, though, it would be that. more so his re- reuniting with his son will eliminate the evil of his curse and the reuniting of bell will give him true love to surpass yeah. and become all powerful songbird abigail slurpees 108 and midnight dreary all like that point <laughs> rumple gold fan says it's interesting yeah. <laughs> the thing is there is Only no magic in this world so he's not i mean he it's not affecting him right now anyway right so it's not there's no real transformation to take place and somehow, whatever the curse's effect on him, whatever there was, has already been broken by his meeting Emma and waking up and remembering. Hmm. That's Yeah, that's true. Now, when Rumpelstiltskin was talking to the Blue Fairy and getting really angry at her and started asking, is there some way? He lists three different ways. And the fairy keeps saying, no, no, no. <laughs> the three ways were... A realm jumper. Mm-hmm. That thing that makes me think like of Thor. Made me think of flux capacitor. <laughs> Made me think of Jefferson's hat. <laughs> yes. So Jefferson is a realm jumper. But oh, that could be a show in and it, of itself. Let's it's, be honest. Yeah. Well, they made one. It wasn't that great. A movie called Jumper. Uh, but realm jumper. If if Jefferson is a realm jumper, that means that his hat can't go to Storybrooke right. because the blue fairy said, no, a realm right. jumper can't take you there. Mm-hmm. Then he also said a time, he said tunnel, right? Time uh, tunnel. I, don't know. I listened to it a couple times and I believe it was tunnel. I think it's a tunnel. It's hard yeah. for me to hear. Someone too. else had said, um, Turner it's, They thought it sounded like he said Turner, but I think I'm pretty sure it's tunnel, which that's something else. Maybe, uh, several in the chat room are saying time Turner, could be, I mean, either way, this is something we don't know about yet, whether it be Time Tunnel or Time Turner. We don't know or have anything to associate with this Going idea yet. Back to Rum Jumper, that makes sense why we didn't see any of the doors that sort of looked like our world. Yeah. And then uh, he says, a magic. And she says, no. Then he says, a curse. 
that gets the blue fairy's attention and she realizes well yeah you could do it with the curse that's basically Figures what you think of a curse yeah. or something i forget her line <laughs> instead of yeah. a blessing yeah which is and interesting what, what she said was are you willing to sacrifice this world for the next because that's how great the price will be mm-hmm. and that's basically what he did so is anyone else starting to wonder if fairy tale land is just gone and not recoverable i think it is i don't know though i, mean, I thought it was almost like post-curse apocalyptic in a way because i mean he said oh you're from there aren't you and i do still think that there's some type of tunnel transportation wormhole I'd meant under I thought in, yeah. under story <laughs> i i'm calling that one nope because i'm calling it <laughs> okay if you go back i think it's not going to be the same but the curse moved people to this world the curse didn't did it actually physically destroy the world i mean you can destroy a world but still see it so well, I think it didn't destroy the transportation back and forth. Because we're on this topic, I am going to skip forward into Storybrooke because there's something that Regina and Realm Mr. Jumper. Gold said <laughs> <laughs> yes, about this. Because when she came into his shop and started saying something, talking to him, getting angry at him, she said this. You and I, we've been in this together from the start. Oh, have we? You created the curse for me. The curse had brought us here and built all this. Yes, with time you said thank you. Why did you do it? <laughs> Key thing there, relevant to this conversation, is she said that built all this. Mm-hmm. Now, what is the all this? Storybrook? Yeah. Or this whole world? No, Storybrook. I think Storybrook. Mm. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. So, so it sounds like our world has always existed as a separate world, and perhaps the world known as the world without magic because oh, that's, that's where Balefire was sent to. <laughs> Speaking of Balefire or Balefire, he called Rubble Silskin a coward. Mm. Yep. That was Ouch. Yeah, cuz he'd been called a coward his whole life. So, maybe that human part of him was still mm-hmm. very much alive because of Balefire. Mm-hmm. But, Going to Storybrook though, if if they built Storybrook, um Emma supposedly can leave. But I wonder if it's almost like that thing where no one else can see it unless they are from fairytale land. That's why people just don't randomly show up in fair in Storybrooke without being a character mm. of some sort. So it's like a time portal where I don't think Regina knows this um, or maybe even Mr. Gold for that fact. But when they when she entered, we've never seen her actually leave, have we? Who? Emma. Oh. Well, no. Henry did, though. So the, all the... All the sort of... But he was born in this world. And he said he he's a kid. He has to come back. This is from the episode, The Price of Gold. That's well, true. So there's a way to escape. I was okay. thinking... I'm, I am sort of thinking, though, that only those that can see it are those from Fairytale Land. Well, that could be. I thought... I'm sorry. I thought you were going to go off after the time differential thing, like time's moving at a different pace or something. No, not necessarily. So, like, just not saying that this is a direct connection, but just other examples of kind of the same kind of thing. The classic story, Brigadoon, which was a town that uh, disappeared, uh, only appeared for a day and disappeared, I think, every 100 or 200 years, uh, or was gone for that amount of time. Um, But they, to them, it was just another day. And then also, of course, uh, a particular island lost in uh, lost is very difficult or impossible to get to and then also the line the witch and wardrobe uh narnia the wardrobe there that you can't get to it if you're trying to get into narnia mm-hmm. 
it's the kids had to stumble into it. Hmm. Your examples are better so than three mine. Examples, I, I was thinking of the tent from Heroes 3, but I didn't really want to bring that series up <laughs> because it gives me all bitter, angry memories. <laughs> nice. One last okay. thing I want to mention in Fairy Tale Land is now we know why Rumpelstiltskin created the curse. Oh, that's that's even overarching for the entire episode. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, honestly, it changes everything. It explains his determination. Yeah, and he's so angry in his determination. But I've got all the time in the world. I will do nothing else. I will love nothing else. I will find a way. Until now, this is something Regina has done, but it's not. Not really. She helped, but she's part of his plan. Yeah. Mm. Which I think we discussed early on that maybe she's not really like the villain to beat. Now, whether he's truly a villain, I'm not sure, but he supersedes her. My thought, did I, I don't, tell me if I mentioned this on Sunday when we had the initial reactions. Um, I was thinking if Rumpelstiltskin turns good and Regina gets weakened, then what if Maleficent now comes back into the picture and she is the actual, she's waiting for Regina to show weakness. She's mad at her. Um, they didn't really leave on good terms. So the whole idea, and we still think that she's watching. So if Rumpel becomes good and Regina becomes weak, then Maleficent could come in as the next villain. That would be even sillier of a grudge. Like Regina's got a grudge against a 10 year old girl. Maleficent's and Maleficent's Maleficent. 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 <laughs> can't say it. Maleficent has a grudge over a unicorn. <laughs> Well, not that, just the idea like Maleficent is like evil. So extending that, maybe when the curse is broken, maybe it opens up that other evil people become powers to be reckoned with in Storybrooke. So like Maleficent could be one. Maybe there are others kind of like uh, just opening the floodgates of you thought Regina was bad. Well, now there are these five others that are even worse than her. And now that the curse is broken, you got to deal with them. Without giving any lost spoilers, <laughs> or I could just say movies in general, I'll do that. Too late. <laughs> There's always, yeah, I know it's too late. <laughs> pretend I didn't. There's always this, this person that you think is very evil, and then you find out, whoa, they almost look good compared to this person. And oh, whoa, they almost look good compared to this person. There's always someone that they can trump. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, just throw this out. Romantic sheep called the unicorn a pony corn. <laughs> oh, that was pretty corn. funny. <laughs> uh, Malcor sent in a voicemail, which he asked, basically, is this why we think Rumpelstiltskin is angry at the fairies and therefore, by extension, hates nuns? I yeah. think that's why he's bitter. Like, he, he completely believes that the blue fairy took away his son. Like yeah. if, it, if it weren't for her, and if it weren't for her of Balefire finding out about the Blue Fairy, then he would still have his son. Same way when that guy with the donkey sort of like bumped in or ran <laughs> Bay over. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> even though it wasn't really his fault, Rumpel um, blamed him and destroyed mm-hmm. him. So he's doing the same thing, same animosity towards the fairies. Mm-hmm. He's At very least. protective over his son. It's the only good thing he has left in the world. Moving on to Storybrooke. Yes, moving on. (laughs) We talked, again, if you haven't heard our initial reactions, go back to oncepodcast.com slash 31, and you can listen to those episode 31 of this. But we talked a little bit about this weird 
convulsion that August has when he's waking up in his room. <laughs> he just he rolls actually, out of bed in yeah, the morning. He actually like like hurts. It looks like it hurts. Like he's tossing himself out of bed. And the way he speaks when he calls on the phone, it sounds like he is in total pain. And I'm going to change what I said. I don't think he was calling Bay at that moment. I think he's met him and spoken with him, but I don't think he's necessarily working directly with him. Some theories I've seen in our forums over at onespodcast.com slash forums are that August was calling Henry. Maybe he was calling the Blue Fairy. Maybe he was calling Belfire. Maybe he was calling someone else. I like the the Blue Fairy Someone else or the Blue Fairy. The thing is, I don't (laughs) think the Blue Fairy knows. I, I, some people no. want to say that the Blue Fairy knows about this, but I've seen no evidence to suggest that she knows and really no reason to think she does because all the other characters, uh, the only characters that do know about the curse do so for very specific reasons that yeah. we've seen. Rumpelstiltskin because he created the curse, Regina because she enacted the curse, uh, Henry, well, he's learned about it, he's outside of it. He's, and uh, then there was Sheriff Graham, uh, had the flashes because of Emma, but mm-hmm. he didn't know about the curse before then. And then Jefferson, because his curse was to know about the curse. But- I might be grasping at straws here, but when Rumpelstiltskin sought her out to ask her about August, she was walking away from him after she asked him about the rent. He was like, what? Uh, no, I'm not here for the rent. And um, like she had sort of a smile on her face. Hmm. It Did was anyone right notice after, that? Yeah, she looked like, okay, here's my next part. Because we have August who called up, and what did he really ask? He said, we need, I need more time or something. He, said, he needs to rush he it. He said, hey, are you there? This isn't working. We need to accelerate the plan. Right, and then he, who's the next person in the scene? It's the Blue Fairy. No, it's actually Henry. Well, Henry doesn't, I mean, you heard the conversation. He doesn't really know he didn't, He's like, is this really helping Emma? He wasn't talking to that person like, right. like you would talk to a kid. Right. Right. Or like he does talk to Henry. He, yeah. would, he yeah. had a different tone. If someone yeah. that could actually help him, someone with understanding and power. And I really think that the Blue Fairy, he at least, either she she didn't have knowledge coming in, but he gave her that knowledge because people can make other people believe. Do you think maybe she knows? Because, I mean, Earl Gorham, or however you say it, is like bigger than anything and more powerful yeah. than anything. Do you think maybe she woke up? If they hadn't given her all those credentials, I might have just said no flat out. But between that and the fact that we actually have theorized in the past that other people know, they've just all been taken down to the basement of the hospital as crazy people. That's our theory, anyway, so far, working on the basement of the hospital. She could just be hiding it. She could be undercover. I don't know. I don't know. I don't believe... It's a possibility. I don't believe she knows, but you guys... uh, Do all of you believe that she does know? I didn't. That Mother Superior? I don't know. It's a possibility. I want to think so. She's really bitter, but that might just be because (laughs) the uh, the head person of the town doesn't like (laughs) nuns. Right. I really think that the reason August went to Mother Superior was just to plant the information for Rumpelstiltskin to find. Because we've seen already August as a writer, or claims to be a writer, he knows how to weave a story, he knows how to make things mm-hmm. happen, manipulate a situation to convey a certain story. 
And so he was just planting that evidence, kind of like other things, the way he was behaving, yeah. other certain stuff, just to lead Mr. Gold on. And here's the funny thing about that scene, too. When they got done talking about that and she got done telling Gold, yeah, he recently found his father. They haven't talked yet. I leaned over to Dan and said, so it could go either way at this point. And he looked at me like I was crazy. because, But I was thinking Geppetto. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I was right about half of it, at least. He <laughs> wasn't talking. To, it wasn't. I mean, he wanted everyone to think that he was talking about gold. He could not have a father in Storybrooke. That's possible. But I still think he's Pinocchio. <laughs> oh, and I also noticed um, Balefire and August have different color eyes, mm-hmm. like someone had already pointed out. I, yeah, I think we had pointed that out sometime early on. I wish I knew him. that early on. <laughs> I'm stuck to my opinion i made a note of it august has blue eyes and balefire has like brown grayish greenish brownish eyes going back to that phone call several in our chat room have shared with us a tweet from jane espenson that she answered and said that august called henry and the way espenson said this is that he called henry they meet up in the next scene just connecting it what did he actually say on the phone this is taking too or, long. We need to speed up the plan. So That wasn't yeah. Henry. No, I mean, I guess if... Has he made it clear to Henry that he wants to help him in the past get yeah. Emma to believe? I guess he yeah, has. He well, he's in Operation Cobra. True. So, so He could have been talking to Henry. He didn't actually say, hey, I'm dying. I need magic. <laughs> <laughs> I need magic. No, I just, he's, he's calling to someone that can help him. Henry can't really help him. Not in the way that he was needing... And some interesting things that I'm seeing popping up in our chat room is that he was calling Bay, so that Bay was actually on the phone. Well, yeah. Well, that's like I mentioned in our forums. Some are theorizing that, and then yeah. they're throwing out there that Bay is actually Henry's father. Also, something I think that'd be interesting. Yes, I didn't think about that, so I'm like, thought it was really cool. In fact, I have a you theory got- about the end of the season, but I won't <laughs> share it at this moment. <laughs> So moving on then to the next scene, <laughs> Henry and uh, Henry and August go to Mr. Gold's shop, and August hide behind piles of wood. <laughs> yeah, August is looking around. We assume for the knife. I would so? assume, assume so because he said maybe it'll come to me. Like afterwards, he said maybe it'll come to me. Uh, right, and the dagger actually did come to him. Sort of. Now a couple things <laughs> in the back of Mr. Gold's shop that were interesting is one, there was Jiminy's magnifying glass from the pilot episode where Jiminy was on the table and they had the magnifying glass. Really? On huh. him. Yeah. Huh. There he was magnifying glass was there. Not his little loud amplifier thing, the big one, but his little uh, magnifying glass was there. Uh, there's something that looks like the amplifier, like the megaphone thing. It's not actually the same one. Okay. Uh, we'll have screenshots. That of thing this. wasn't really big anyway. I mean, he wore it around his neck, and he's a cricket. No, I'm talking about the one from the pilot when he was at the round oh, table with the, the council. And then there's also, among a lot of things that don't look related to very much, and someone in the uh, CPT cave in the chat room points out, or Captain Cave, points out the Tin Man's oil can. Yeah, yeah he maybe. was standing right in front of them. Did you notice that? Yeah, they were a bunch of oil cans. Yeah, uh-huh. there's the also yeah. a pink robot that looked like the tin man i mean not a tin man but i mean this is the only tin man in there <laughs> and the one thing that really stood out is this box with the word on it 
shine. It's a red box among all of these gray things, and it just really stands out. But what is it? We, we I thought really it, tell. I looked around because I thought maybe I was trying to keep my eyes off of something else. You know why I think Henry chose a bell? Why? I think it was because he was trying to make a lot of noise so that <laughs> so that um, August wouldn't be heard uh, if he were making any noise at all from the back room. That's a good idea. Good I, point. I was wondering if why a bell? Rumpel might have helped him pick out Bell. I don't know, but don't that's know. my theory. I, I think guys. he was just trying to to cover up any sound that August might be making. Yeah, I'm entitled to my theory. So it's I, I, don't, I don't think a bell actually means anything at all. Uh, it's valid. It's valid. There's yeah. a box of knives by the cash register, which I yeah. thought is funny because you see so many different <laughs> types of knives in that shop. And we've been looking for his knife from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And we always see different ones. So it's nice to see that it didn't transform and actually was the original knife. And we'll come back to the dagger in a little bit when we get to that scene. But in the hospital, uh, we saw that uh, well, Catherine is back. She's recovering. And she says she was in a basement and drugged. And mm-hmm. the doctor confirms that she was drugged. I don't Late- trust him. Yeah. He could be. He's yeah. he sells packs of lies. <laughs> he's good at it. He seemed nice. Yeah. So far, the people who have told Tonight. us, I don't like it though. So far, the people who have referred to the heart and the results being faked are untrustworthy people. The doctor Whale and Sydney say that the results, the lab results, were faked. What's your point? My point is, <laughs> we can't really trust them. So even if they're telling us the truth about their lie, I don't think we can trust them. So what's the alternative? Well, I'm saying it could still be someone's heart. Oh. Well, the result is simply, does it match Catherine's DNA? It either does or it doesn't. If it doesn't, the results were tampered with. If it does, then they've got to be asking themselves, how is that possible? Well, <laughs> are, do they have any reason to retest it, though? Probably not. Retest it? Retest the heart to see, does it really match her DNA? Yeah, because there's a heart out there that no one knows whose it is, and they have to test it to see who got murdered. But are they going to think that? That's the thing. In a real world, they would. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, in a real world. This heart belongs to someone whose is it. Right. By the way, going to Dr. Whale, who no one trusts, um, I guess the only things people are thinking of, the main one seems to be Monstro from uh, Pinocchio. Mm -hmm. Um, And... If he wasn't actually a whale beforehand, he might have just been one of the evil people that bring Pinocchio uh-huh. in well, and cause him to steal and teach him how to be bad. <laughs> Jiminy Cricket was a man once and then he was a cricket. So why can't a man also be a whale? Because some other point. I think he's got more to that because there's a lot of characters in Pinocchio who a lot of ones named and Monster of the Whale was not a huge, yeah. huge character. You know right? what? But I would rather see Dr. Whale pinocchio than monstro i thought that but it seems pretty much impossible with all the clues that they're throwing at us i said that last week but then somebody pointed out the age and dr whale's been in storybrook since the curse and he's aged if he was a child but nobody else aged so he can't be pinocchio Mm. but people do often theorize that he's monstro we have geppetto we have jiminy but why don't we have pinocchio Mm. or do we yeah, I think he's not actually the whale. I just think he's one of the ones that trained him to be evil. Because as I said, there's a ton of other characters that would be named. And it'd just be too much to bring all those in there. And you already see how Rumpelstiltskin usually represents a lot of, you know, somewhat evil characters that they just threw into Legends. 
So uh, I just think he's the main evil one who teaches Pinocchio how to be how to do wrong. <laughs> the scene after this was when Regina came and talked to Mr. Gold in his shop. And we've already talked much about this. But Jenny, you noticed that Regina does something when Mr. Gold, when she realizes that evidence is going to lead back to her. Yeah, she like holds her necklace thing, which we couldn't figure out what it was. Yeah, it mm-hmm. it's some kind of little black stone but we'll have that screenshot at oncepodcast.com slash 32 and i thought it was significant too but i thought it was daniel's ring and but but i didn't really know why that was significant and i don't know if she was just indicating that she's fearful for maybe the first time like truly fearful since she came to storybrook yeah i don't know she's realizing that gold is setting her up Uh like she's (laughs) there was another interesting thing while they were talking because they were arguing and right in the middle, he just goes, please. Yes. <laughs> and I didn't catch it the last time I saw it, but it was like, I mean, she starts stammering, but it was almost like he invoked the please. Mm-hmm. But he didn't actually say anything. It just kind of shut off that part of the conversation. She couldn't yeah. say anything else. Yeah. By the way, though, although I didn't notice Regina's necklace, Emma's necklace, when she's with Catherine and Dr. Whale, she does have a silver coin-shaped necklace that has the shape of a swan on it. Which I don't think just goes with her name being Emma Swan. Well, maybe she's the Swan Princess. Yeah, no, it keeps going back to that. She's a princess, so. But I just thought that was neat. Time to be anything. She was a baby. Yeah, that's true. She only took a few breaths. Maybe she will be. She has a couple necklaces. Uh, but the, Regina's necklace definitely is not Daniel's ring because when you look at the Mm -hmm. screenshot, you see it's not even circular. It's more. It looks like a black stone, but it's it's a blonde and not even shaped like an oval. But it, it looks like a stone shape, not a perfect circle like the ring was. So we'll have screenshots of that in the show notes. Uh, also, when this whole scene in Mary Margaret's apartment, when they're having this party for her, welcome back. And, um, <laughs> I, I love the card that Henry brings from the class on the outside of the card, it says, congratulations, not welcome back. It says, congratulations. <laughs> and then we're so glad you didn't kill Mrs. Nolan. It's from the whole class. And I got you a bill. <laughs> <laughs> but at that party, there were several dwarfs there. <laughs> there was a uh, bashful and uh, I'm forgetting now which ones were in there. Um, sleepy. I think was in there and was happy there. Yes, I think happy was, but we'll have screenshots also, or just the list of the names in the show notes. Also in this room is when Mr. Gold asks Emma about August. August Wayne Booth, clearly a false name. There's one thing I know about his name. Writers go by pseudonyms. What does it matter? Where in history, did Rumpelstiltskin get this thing about names? I think that's still so much of a story we're not going to see yet. Maybe at some point he tried to hide who he really was because he had this reputation of being a coward. Hmm. And so, and, and by the way, that's, that's where that tied in also, that his son accused him of being a coward, uh, even after he'd been accused by a, as a coward by everyone else. But... Uh, Maybe he went into some kind of hiding or disguising himself, and then the, his name is known again, perhaps around the time of the Miller's daughter incident. Mm-hmm. So, but where does this whole thing about knowing names come in? I mean, someone who has, if you find out his name and say his name 
don't you have to like say his name with the dagger? Um, if he pretends that if he knows your name, there's power, then they're not going to ask him for his. And it might just be a cover up for his own. I do think there's something deeper than that, but he did. That's his weakness. Or it was said about him in the pilot: don't tell him your name. If he knows your name, he'll have power over you. Mm-hmm. So it, it it could be something hinting to that. It could be something even beyond that. I think it might be because of like spells. And curses. If he knows your name, then he can attach it to a curse. Hmm. Yeah, just a thought. That's a good thought. When Mr. Gold then goes into August's room, there are a couple interesting things, and I really wish this was broadcast in even higher definition, (laughs) (laughs) because I tried really hard to see the writing on the paper, uh, the from the print, the typewriter, and also the the. The stack of papers there that the little wooden donkey or whatever that is. It looks like oh, a wooden donkey. The donkey has green eyes. Yeah. They're yes. like, they look like human eyes. <laughs> green, sorry to take a little side trip, but green is a recurring thing that seems to follow August around. And, you know, it seems like it hints. One would imagine it might hint at Oz. And people have also theorized that he's somehow connected to Oz or the Wizard of Oz, and I tend Mm. not to believe that theory. But if anything was going to start to convince me otherwise, it's all the green. Of course, there was green in the portal that Bay took, too, so maybe green is just another favorite color. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. But why a donkey with green human eyes? Donkey sounds like Pinocchio again. I don't Were they human? They looked human. I mean, donkeys don't have eyes like that. Donkeys mm. have like black eyes. Huh. No. Yeah. Well, we'll have this. We got a really nice, sharp uh, screenshot of this. So we'll have that in the show notes at onespodcast.com slash 32. So you can check it out. Also, uh, just one other mention of the scene at the nun's place. There was a sign that said it was Sisters of St. Mesa. M-E-I-S-S-A. I didn't, wasn't able to look up yet if that means anything, but just interesting little thing there that someone can look up. We already talked about David's terrible apology. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Mary Margaret had said uh, to David, It's like something in this world doesn't want us together. Like what? Dark forces? Maybe. I don't know, but it's like something just keeps pouring poison between us. It seems almost like they don't have their true love in Storybrooke, which would explain why their kissing has done nothing. <laughs> if I mean, is that is that possible? Does that make sense? Yeah. If they are each other's true love, but they just haven't cut through enough to have true love yet in Storybrooke. I don't think Mary Margaret has like allowed herself to fully love James yet. <laughs> Like, it's always kind of guarded because he's a married man, and mm-hmm. he's kind of been upsetting her lately, so... <laughs> a little bit. She's probably not, like, giving herself fully into loving him. That makes sense, yeah. And her comment was quite odd when David said, but I love you, and she says, and that is what makes it all so sad. It's like, is it just mean that makes it harder for this thing to stop, or... I don't know. Is well, she yeah. not feeling a love for him anymore because of that? She just she's decided they can't be together no matter what. I think maybe she said it was sad because of the way that, that he like kind of I don't know, kind of like he wasn't there for her. Mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. he's th- he's saying that he loves her, but he wasn't there for her. So maybe that's why she said it was sad. Onescape in the in the chat room puts it very well. He says, "You love me, but not enough to not accuse me of murder." <laughs> and that's an important point because if you look at uh, a biblical definition of love in First Corinthians thirteen, it says, "Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, uh, among many other things, bears all things." believes all things, mm-hmm. hopes all things, endures all things. That is not a description of how David loves Mary Margaret. Nope. So I think that's why, like going back to what you have said, Jeremy, uh, several times actually you've brought up this point of that David and Mary Margaret do not have true love. And that's why their kiss hasn't broken any curse yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to step back just for one moment. Captain Cave mentioned, did some quick research for me. Uh, that Mesa, or Misa, the sisters of uh, St. Misa, means, it comes from Arabic, meaning white spot or shining, I think, tied a little bit to star, because the the nuns are fairies. So, cool, cool little tie-in there. Thanks, Captain K, for doing that little research. There might be more to it than that, but uh, he just did that real quick. Just to reinforce <laughs> that uh, their kiss hasn't done anything Remember in fairy tale land when James was pursuing Mary Margaret to break the curse or to break the like the potion, mm-hmm. the power of the potion. That sounds funny. <laughs> power of the potion. Um, in their kiss, of, their kiss didn't work because she didn't want it. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Heart first of kiss. Yeah. However, when David had walked away, remember when he was by the troll bridge like unconscious and hurt and she didn't she kiss him yeah to wake him up sort of like the he, kiss that broke the curse yeah. of, and he did wake up he was yeah. unconscious though. so that was something <laughs> interesting where a kiss did or seemed to break a curse or break something mm. but then it the scene goes on to rumble stiltskin visiting dr hopper and this was something that I have wanted to say for a while, but they mentioned this at Paley Fest, where several of the main actors were there on a panel talking about Once Upon a Time. And they had said that you're going to see several interesting people come to talk to Dr. Harper. Hopper. And, uh, Hopper, yeah. <laughs> and, and Robert Carlyle, the, uh, the guy who plays Rumpelstiltskin, said, even me. And uh, so it was It was this really thing, like, big thing of why would Mr. Gold go to talk to Dr. Hopper? And now, now we, we know. know. Yeah. Now, moving on to this last really big scene is when Mr. Gold and uh, Belfar, or <laughs> not Belfar, the guy who's pretending to be Belfar, August, meet up in the woods then there's this whole confession the apology asking forgiveness all of this and then mr gold takes belfar to uh, the spot where where the dagger is buried now i've compared screenshots between this spot when they dig up the dagger which is right next to a creek and is in kind of a clearing compared that to in episode seven the heart is a lonely hunter when rumpelstiltskin was out doing mm-hmm. a little gardening <laughs> it's not the same area well yes you have to walk through the woods to get to this cabin <laughs> yeah so maybe he was doing that yeah maybe this maybe that's just a, a prop glitch it's 
not or even a glitch. glitch. It's just a different part of the woods. Yeah, or or maybe <laughs> this is something different that Rumpelstiltskin buried. I'm going for the simple answer. That's what he was doing. We finally got an answer on that. Yeah, yeah. I, that was a good aha moment for me. I was like, that's what he was doing. With his I, little black apron on and his shovel. That's what he was doing. I don't know. Because it's it's a completely different area. So I think either they messed up on making the scene the same or Rumpelst- or Mr. Gold has buried several things. Maybe or they're you... just betting on the fact that we'll forget. <laughs> he could have been burying other things. That's fine. Yeah. But he, you also have to walk. I don't think he drove up to the cabin. So you well, could see him at other parts of the forest with the shovel. Oh, well, forget the cabin. The cabin is not part of this equation because... He and Belfire met at the cabin. Then Mr. Gold said, let me show you where I buried it. Okay, well, that makes my point. So they go somewhere else. It does? Yes. You have to walk to get there. So you could see him at any point in the forest with the shovel. And what's his face? Sorry, everybody. Graham. Um, (laughs) I'm going to get hate mail. (laughs) You can fix it by saying, what's his beautiful face? And everyone will love you. I'm not saying that. Uh, Anyway, he wasn't exactly moving through the forest in a real coherent way. And like a straightforward, I'm going somewhere way. So uh, yeah, he they could have met up anywhere. He came from behind a bush also, in that previous episode. Everyone knows saw. the forest looks and, different at night. Yeah. And the cabin <laughs> where August was everywhere. staying was next to a lake. So this isn't cabin we've seen before. This is some other cabin. Okay, that's fine. I didn't know. Or lake or river behind him. It's There's water behind the cabin. Water I, is also pretty common with him. I didn't know that August was staying in a cabin. It Was that where he was staying? No, actually. Because I thought he was staying in one of Granny's places. I thought he was, too. I don't know why I thought that. What was he doing creeping out there? You know, they probably just found each other. Or maybe maybe they called and said, let's meet out here in the middle of nowhere. The door. The door where uh, Mr. Gold was picking the lock. That didn't seem like a cabin door. No, it didn't. It seemed like an apartment door. Right, yeah. Where August was staying was at Granny's. Oh, he was. I, right, actually, it was the same I think apartment. the same room as Emma had stayed in before, I well, think. I don't think so. No, I think hers was to the right. And his, his I hers don't wasn't care. Hers the was, was all white <laughs> and his was all brown. Wow, it was at we Granny's. should move on. We're going to fight about this for like hours. <laughs> From this, there are a couple things that came up uh, very important is that Gold did say there is no magic in this world. Yes, And we learned that the reason August wanted to get there was to use the power of the Dark One, I guess, to heal himself, since he said he's sick. That's the big question. To do what? He was hoping it would kind of work to get Emma to believe, but he decided to get impatient and not wait for that. And so he was going to do what with the power of the Dark One? He was going to command him to... (laughs) By the way, I just remember my thought from earlier that I couldn't remember, and I stared blankly at the screen for him. Two minutes. Sweet. Um, I hope it's good enough. No, I was thinking the idea of there's no magic in this world, and that's why he can't be summoned. Emma has magic. What if she can summon Mr. Gold as the Dark Word? Oh, good. It was a good thought. She did make that (laughs) magic hat. Yeah, Yeah. and I think she has the ability to summon him. That's a good theory. Jefferson said Emma brought magic, and also August believes that she has magic and here's actually what august said about emma i'm sick and i need magic i was gonna get the savior to believe but that woman (laughs) i don't think i'm gonna make it long enough to see that happen so his purpose in making emma believe is so that she'll have magic so that she can heal him 
This goes into a voicemail we received from uh, a voicemail from Riddle Raven that really reminds us of something very important here. Hey guys, this is Riddle Raven, and I just wanted to point out before the show that August is a big fat liar, (laughs) and that's an interesting twist for him since he's claimed numerous times that he is not a liar, and I believed him, but even his name is a lie, as we found out, which is a forgivable lie, but even so, and he lied plenty in the return, so I think that's interesting, and I hope we talk about it on the show. Bye. It's interesting that she would say that he's a big fat liar because I heard the discussion when he and Rumple are talking and when he calls his, when he basically says, uh, Rumple says to him, can you truly, truly forgive me? And August says, I forgive you, Papa. That right there was one of the first lies he said. The other thing, he was just going along with it. Hmm. Like, oh, so we don't have to keep any more secrets or whatever when he said, I know who you are. Uh, or I forget what he says exactly, but the first official lie he says is, I forgive you, Papa. He ca- Well, just calling him Papa Wait, is though, a lie. Right after that scene, they pan out. The whole thing was then back and forth, back and forth. And you see a sapling growing on a tree as if when he lied, the tree grew or something. It's on the left side. <laughs> Whoa, that's a stretch. It's not a stretch. <laughs> they've been, no, this is a, they've been going back and forth. It's close-ups. It shows the two of them. And as soon as he says, I forgive you, Papa, it's the first like verbal lie he says. They pan out. Mm. It's the two of them looking on the right side of the screen. And on the left side, there mm, is yeah. one sapling growing on the stump. I noticed it, but he called him Papa before that, which yeah, was a lie. That right, was but a then, lie turn around i'm just saying that one major scene yeah. and it's just neat totally linking him to pinocchio I now think. The, you know my thought has been along the lines of maybe they threw out the whole nose growing thing as being a little bit cheesy they seem to kind of take the fairy tales and most of the time make them a little bit more palatable for older audiences so maybe lying is actually actually just starts to turn him back into wood hmm. or something like that I'm Which, just wondering if the deception he's had to maintain has something to do with his illness. But then again, why not just, yeah, not even create the deception? Yeah. So I don't know. Midnight Dreary is agreeing with that. That line is killing him, basically. <coughs> so, why, but then again, why keep lying? If but that's you why he looks honest. really weak after that. I think after he was saying that whole scene with Rumple, he looked weaker and sicker than he has in the past. Except for when he woke up with weird tremors. Now, August says a little fairy told him about the knife. Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't think that... A lot of people are going to say that's Mother Superior, who was the blue fairy. I don't think that's true. I think he learned it actually from a fairy back in fairy tale land. As an adult or as a child? Is he recently from fairy tale land somehow? I don't know. I don't think he is. I think it was the blue fairy... I mean, I think the Blue Fairy found out about Rumple the time that he leaves his son and he calls out, screams to the fairy, and she knew about the knife. I mean, she's been, she was around there. I'm sure they, she just like overheard them and then she brought that to the table because in the original pilot episode, we see all them surrounded, uh, surrounding the table consulting. I really think that she probably met at those meetings and just consulted that information, hmm. converged or whatever the word is. <laughs> I don't know. So, uh, Emma trusts August, and that's why Rumple lets him go. 
And Rumpel or Mr. Gold <laughs> is realizing that August can convince Emma about who she is. And that's what Mr. Gold wants. Mr. Gold can't convince her. August can, yeah. maybe, because Emma believes August and trusts him. I'm completely changing the topic here, but did anybody notice the ships all around Archie's office? Yeah. Hmm. I think no. that speaks a lot about, like, Pinocchio, because mm-hmm. his father left on a ship or a boat huh. stuff. I just thought it was cool. And then the, the last thing uh, to talk about here is Emma and Regina are now going to war over Henry. And, and I actually feel bad for Mr. Glass. Me too. I feel sorry for him because mm. he loves an evil woman. He's like cursed with it. <laughs> I don't think he, it's not love because it's just, it's well, something it, different. It is, but I don't know why he yeah, loves her. Yeah, I don't her. understand it. It's like, how, how did he start loving her? Like, what was it? And <clears throat> I always saw the episode when he started loving her, but it just seems like so weird. Like, it seems like he's, He's under a spell or something, but I she kinda, didn't really cast a spell He was like on him. the first, she was the first woman that he's liked after being stuck in a bottle for who knows how many I'm thousand sure. years. <laughs> it's, just, it's crazy. It, it's not right. I know. He figures out that she's not at all who he thought she was, that he's she's still, been playing him the whole time. And he's still like, I, I don't ever want to leave you ever. I'm going to use my wish on that, even though you hate me. Yeah, or whatever. And even in this episode, he's oh. like, she's a wonderful woman. Like, <laughs> and she's I, an amazing woman. Or I do like view... In Fairytale Land, the glass that he's in the mirror as a symbol to the lamp that he was in. And I view in Storybrook Land, uh, Storybrook, um, <laughs> yeah, Storybrook Land, I view uh, his love for Regina almost as the imprisoning lamp. Yeah, he's only a prisoner of hers. And she's making him take all the blame. And he's going to suffer the consequences for everything that she's done. And Ugh. Emma can see all of this and calls Regina awesome. out on it. Well, that's the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. I'm pretty sure that's not true. <laughs> oh, man. Wait, does that mean she's heard bigger loads of crap before? <laughs> yeah. Regina's like, I've given you much bigger ones than that. Uh, <laughs> but then here's Emma's battle cry, and I think this might be battle hinting cry. at uh, wh- how this season might end. I know you were behind all this. I understand that you own the game and that you've set the board so that no one else can win. But I am about to start playing an entirely different game. And that game is that she's going to go after getting Henry back. I love that she called her a sociopath. She's like, <laughs> you're a sociopath, lady. <laughs> and would you like to know who I think is going to win that custody battle? Who? Mr. Gold. What? That's right. You heard <laughs> your <laughs> <laughs> So, we, uh, we start the custody battle. Gold comes in to help Emma prove that Regina is an unfit mother, and right at the last minute, having something over Emma, I don't know what, he calls in his favor. And he takes custody of Henry, and nobody can figure out why. But throughout history, he takes kids in deals. Maybe usually to connect them with a different set of parents, but in this case, if... And we didn't really talk about this theory, but some people are starting to theorize that Balefire is Henry's father... In that case, whether he knows it or not, Rumpelstiltskin slash Mr. Gold is Henry's grandfather. Hmm. Which is neat because he always never, he never knows who Mr. Gold is. And if he's a relative, that just makes it all the more interesting for him to always say, I don't know who he is yet in the story. That would, gosh, what are the odds of Emma growing up and meeting Balefire and them hooking up and having Henry? Like, 
That's that's the odds forever in their odds. favor. Unless he was seeking out Emma for other reasons initially and started to fall in love with her and for some reason had to leave or decided to leave mm. because it was messing up his mission. But how old was Balefire and how old was the kid that picked Emma up? Well, it all depends. He was yeah. about he was fourteen. A little older than fourteen because that's when they so? were coming to take him to mm-hmm. war. So he was a little he was, you know, 14, 15. But it was a seven-year-old that picked him up. That's why. Well, we think I don't it necessarily think that we haven't seen have any seven-year-old. Right, we haven't seen any seven-year-old kids, so I don't even know if that's related after all to anything. But depending on when he came through, how old he was, it it could be Pinocchio. Somehow, a lot of people are theorizing that the Pinocchio came through with Emma in some way, and because mm-hmm. he was once a wooden boy, and maybe he was near the tree. And that he's the one who found Emma. And, uh, you know, what you're saying about um, Mr. Gold possibly getting custody, it, it does make a logical picture, especially if you consider all the dirt that Regina has on Emma and all the dirt that Emma has on Regina. A judge might see, well, neither of you are fit parents or fit guardians, but hey, look, DNA evidence shows that Mr. Gold is the grandfather. Oh, so, DNA, yeah. So, there you go. We'll put him with them. I uh, wonder if the tree that they used was the same wood that Pinocchio was made of, made from. And if somehow... Yeah, a few people have been saying that. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why people are thinking maybe Pinocchio came through easily is because he's from the same tree. Maybe he was nearby. Maybe just be, by being from the same tree, maybe he transported maybe. to... Maybe. I'm starting to think that's a really nice theory. And by and, the way... um, I'm trying to find who said it right now, but and I've seen it in other posts also that Balefire and Firefighter are close, and Emma's um, Henry's father is a firefighter. Oh yeah, huh? And I was just thought too about Mister Glass of why and how he is so entrapped in this love. Who's the one person we have ever seen be offered an apple and assumed have eaten it? Or is there, are there others? Well, Mr. Gold took a bite, but he can say please and he can overpower it. Snow White. I still think... Yes. Well, yes. Snow White was carrying <laughs> apples with her and she ate one. Probably a different apple. But yeah. the one that he she had given uh-huh. to him... They were green right apples, at that though. ...last awkward scene of one of those episodes and it seemed like it could have been magical and I think that's what's keeping him trapped. I think he's just an idiot. That too, but magic helps idiot. One last, one last voicemail here to play on another theory of August Bellfire and all of this is from Obi's Girl. Hey guys, Obi's Girl here. Watch the return of the night and the mystery of August W. Booth continues. I'm still not buying that he is Pinocchio because he came in much later in the Once Upon a Time story. And plus, Pinocchio could not have known to look for the dagger. So now I'm thinking that August is maybe... Bellfire's son, making him Mr. Gold's grandson. And the reason why I say that is because in fairy tale land, Rumpelstiltskin wanted to keep the dagger a secret. He even killed his maid to keep her from possibly revealing anything about it, even though she was mute. If Balefire did in fact come to our world, grew up here, got married here, but at some point separated from his son, it's not impossible to think that he could have passed down the stories of fairy tale land to August. And if Storybrooke is a land without magic, sometimes at least, why didn't Rumble destroy the dagger before August came along? Can't wait to listen to the podcast. Bye. Thank you, Orbeez Girl, for that. I think he Rumble Stoltzkin can't destroy his own dagger. 
I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think so either. I think I would be afraid to if I were him. Although I did always wonder what would happen if he killed himself with it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be the end of all dark ones. <laughs> that would be interesting, though, to bring Bay, who we're assuming this is Boy, trapped somewhere in the Lost Boys or something, as actually this someone older than Rumple himself mm. on his deathbed and Rumple's last apology and act of please for, you know, of forgiveness is confessing to his son who's about to die. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we've had a great conversation here and there's so much more still to talk about. And that's why we want you to go to the forums over at oncepodcast.com slash forums. Real easy to join and you can discuss this episode and so much more. There are so many awesome posts over there and it's uh, free and easy to join and discuss. So we'd love to have your feedback as part of that. But if you'd like to share feedback specifically on this episode, the best place to do that is go comment on the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 32, because otherwise it can be kind of hard to include your uh, feedback, uh, emailed or voicemail feedback on this episode in our next episode, which will be about a different episode of Once Upon a Time. And But if you do see the episode of Once Upon a Time this Sunday, and you want to send in some feedback on that please keep this information handy. You can call in and leave a voicemail on 903-231-2221. You can email feedback at oncepodcast.com or you can go to oncepodcast.com and click the send a voice message button and send a voice message right from your computer there and that will go to us. And we'd really appreciate your feedback that we can incorporate into our episode about this Sunday's episode of Once Upon a Time. And I said, if you watch it, which really, you're going to watch it. You know you are. A Sunday, Monday, as soon as you can. And we have some cool news. We've got a finale party coming up. Well, the sad news is the season finale is coming up. That's also cool news. (laughs) We're having a finale party in Covington, Kentucky at the Riverside Radisson Hotel. It's actually Radisson of riverside or something it's right across the river from downtown cincinnati so it has a beautiful view we'll be on the 16th floor there in one of their really neat rooms that they have and you can register for that and get more information the schedule the the location and all of that over at oncepodcast.com slash party and we'd really love to have you join us it starts around five o'clock we'll go to a restaurant in the hotel there they're giving us a discount And then you can uh, join us upstairs when it's available. We'll provide snacks and, of course, hot chocolate with cinnamon during the finale party. So that's covered in the $10 registration fee. And that's all we're making it, just $10 to register. And that includes helping pay for the room and also uh, pays for snacks that we'll be providing there. And then if you spend the night or if you're in the area anyway, we'd love to go to breakfast together the next morning. So that would be on May 14th, Monday morning. So check this all out and register for the party. We'd love to see you there. It's just on the other side of the river from downtown Cincinnati. It's in northern Kentucky still, and it will be awesome, I think. So register for that over at oncepodcast.com slash party. And definitely sign up as soon as you can so we can have all that prepared for when you guys get over here. Yeah. And also go to oncepodcast.com and click on the iTunes button or just jump to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. And if you haven't, we'd love to have a rating and review from you in iTunes. Not just a rating. Those are great too, but especially a review. We really like the reviews to hear what is it that you like about the podcast? Why do you like it? Why do you think other people should listen to it? So please let us know or leave that in the 
uh, reviews in iTunes or however you found us, whatever podcast directory, because we're in a bunch of them like Zune and Stitcher and BlackBerry and so many more. So please check all of that out over at oncepodcast.com. You can follow the show on Twitter as twitter.com slash oncepodcast, and you can follow each of us individually. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. You can follow me at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me at twitter.com slash fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Dan Flynn. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Design. And I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at twitter.com slash Nook. So check out everything over at oncepodcast.com. Show notes for this episode at oncepodcast.com slash 32. And speaking of the podcast, I wouldn't say it's useless. It still cuts through flesh rather nicely. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Once Podcast is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts like this one over at noodle.mx. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for this episode. If you'd like to sponsor an episode of Once Podcast, go to oncepodcast.com slash sponsor. You're listening to Once. Episode 19. <laughs> Wait, right? Muted. Let's start that over. Again. I can't even help you. No one's hearing real. me. You're hearing me. It was just like, what is this? What do I say next? I've <laughs> seen it once, and that's all I know. Uh, Midnight Jury's laughing at you, and Riddle Raven, and Maze, and yeah, everyone is. And-